Welcome back to the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. It's just a few days before Halloween, and I find it hard to concentrate on work when I'm in the midst of building the Star Wars cantina for my home haunt this year, and there's so much to be done on Tatooine. But I do want to highlight an independent film opening at the Ken Cinema this weekend and starring one of my favorite actresses, Britt Marling. I also want to quickly run through the list of streaming horror films in case you need a last-minute suggestion for the weekend. But let's begin with The Keeping Room. The Keeping Room is a subtle genre mashup. It takes the fundamentals of a home invasion thriller, adds the trappings of a western, and then spins a Civil War tale focusing on a trio of women in Georgia just before Sherman's brutal march. What if all the men killed all the other men? What if it's the end of the world and we the last ones left? Ain't the end of the world. Think about all the women sitting in their houses. We're supposed to be taken, but ain't. Learn to shoot a gun before they learn to bed. Learn to be a man instead of a wife. Britt Marling plays Augusta, a young woman struggling to survive with her sister and a black woman who may or may not be their slave. The three live pretty much in isolation on a family farm until some Union soldiers, scouting ahead for the army, spot the beautiful Augusta and track her back to the house. This is where the home invasion scenario kicks in, and the women have to fight off the Union soldiers. Get over here. This is your gun. I've got to reload. Watch me and do as I do. Take the powder. Take the powder. Put it in. Take the ball. Put it in. Push it down. Pull this back. You hold steady, and you pull this. You got it. Yeah, I got it. You sure? Yes. War's never pretty, and the film opens with a quote from General Sherman about war being cruel, and the crueler it is, the quicker it ends. Mad, the black woman, explains that everyone has their monsters to deal with. I opened the door. Only thing in there was a low car and no windows. I stood there a minute so unsure, so sad, wondering why we weren't supposed to know for so long. And then the man come in, and he had me. He was so big, and I was so small. So small that I didn't even know what was happening. That was the first time, and there were many more. Some time to cut the baby out, other time to keep them. Don't know where they are now. 
There are many kinds of monsters in this world. You never know which one gonna be yours. Don't know what happened to mine. Probably die or unhappy. There's a sense of compassion within this tight-knit family community, but not much compassion or forgiveness outside of it, especially not for the Union soldiers or for men. Augusta eventually confronts one of the soldiers. I've been looking for you. You found me. What's your name? It's Moses. Like a baby. Yeah, just like. Why are you doing this, Moses? Well, me and him are boomers. Sent ahead to forge the land for food and deserters and survivors. The whole army is behind us. Already took Georgia. Uncle Billy's coming, burning down everything in his path. Rest assured, it will be cruel. Cooler it is. Soon I will be over. There's that notion of cruelty again. The Keeping Room serves up a feminist tale about the brutality of war and sexual violence. It's eager to say something, but I'm not entirely sure what the message is as it looks to the cruelty of war. Is the film meant as a challenge to Sherman's quote about cruelty, to say that he's wrong? Maybe, but the women seem eager to return violence with violence, even after that approach leads to some unexpected and tragic consequences. There's no sense of trying to understand the dynamics of the situation, which is a microcosm of a larger conflict. And it also fails to address the underlying reasons for fighting the war. Sure, what the Union soldiers are doing is horrific, but so too was a lot of what the White South was doing in regards to slavery. But that part of the dynamic is overlooked because our tiny circle of characters has an interracial trio of women where they all seem on fairly equal footing. Mad even gets to slap Augusta with no consequences. But Mad's also a bit too quick to forgive her for a later horrific, if unintentional, act. I'm not sure if the film's point is that war makes us all cruel or that cruelty is just a byproduct of war and that we have to learn to deal with it. Perhaps the film is just trying to give a shout-out to strong, everyday women who are often overlooked in cinema. On that count, it succeeds, and once again, Britt Marling gives a stellar performance as a female catalyst who moves the story forward. She's flawed, but determined to survive. The Keeping Room opens this Friday at Landmark's Ken Cinema. And now to recap my list of 30 days of streaming horror. I know, October has 31 days, but there's something very special for Halloween Day. Okay, let's quickly run through the list of films that I've been recommending during the month of October. Again, this isn't a list of the best horror films of all time, but it's a list of films that perhaps you haven't seen or that maybe will push the boundaries of what you expect from the horror genre. 
So the first film was The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, a silent film from Germany that's considered by many to be the first horror feature. The film serves up spectacular sets, cinematography, and performances. Most memorable, perhaps, are the jagged, oddly angled, and asymmetrical sets, some made out of paper with shadows painted on them, that convey the skewed perspective of the main character. Next up is Hellraiser from 1987. Guillermo del Toro may have made monsters sympathetic, but Hellraiser director Clive Barker gave them an eloquent, if disturbing, voice in his feature directing debut. Pontypool from 2008 serves up a zombie film without zombies. How can that be? It's a brilliant and claustrophobic reimagining of the zombie genre where the infection is spread through language. I'm including the film The Beyond from 1981 in honor of the fact that musician Fabio Fritzi made a trip to the United States for a concert. In creating a list like this, it's easy to pick a film like Halloween or The Exorcist, but you'd have to be living under a cultural rock not to know about these movies. What I wanted to do with this list was to provide some expected horror classics, as well as to push the envelope in terms of how you define the genre. So one film I wanted to include was The Act of Killing, a film that challenges both the documentary format and our notion of how we define horror. This may be the most originally conceived documentary I've ever seen. Filmmaker Joshua Oppenheimer approached former Death Squad leaders and asked them to reenact their real-life murders in whatever cinematic genre they preferred. The Act of Killing is a startling, provocative, and disturbing work, and it'll make you rethink documentary and horror. Next up is something a little more frivolous, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I don't know what it says about the powers that be in Hollywood. Actually, I do know what it says. It says they're idiots. But two of the best horror comedies of all time sat on the shelf for years before finally getting released to audiences. Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale vs. Evil are clever, blood-soaked, hilarious horror comedies that affectionately and smartly send up the tropes of the genre. I also want to suggest a double feature for you. I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and followed it up with a documentary called The Nightmare about sleep paralysis. Oh my god, I couldn't have planned a better double feature. So I want to suggest watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street and follow it with the documentary The Nightmare for an evening of horror that will make you think twice before you go to bed. Next, let's go for something with a foreign flavor. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from 2014. In describing her film, Iranian writer-director Anna Lily Amapour writes, In the Iranian ghost town Bad City, a place that reeks of death and loneliness, the townspeople are unaware that they're being stalked by a lonesome vampire. Again, part of the goal of this list was to highlight films that people might have missed, and this film, though widely acclaimed by critics, got limited play in theaters. It's a gorgeous black-and-white take on vampire lore, but filtered through a modern female Iranian sensibility. So many lovely layers to peel back. Next up, I'm picking the exquisitely crafted We Are What We Are for multiple reasons. It's a remake that works. It combines horror and beauty. It's a return to serious horror where the filmmaker is not concerned with being hip, meta, or jokey. And it's another example of an outstanding horror film that failed to get wide distribution. We Are What We Are is not just a stunning remake, but a provocative film about the horrors we can find within the usual comforts of family and tradition. And returning to the spirit of Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is a new film, The Final Girls. The film proves something very old. Hollywood and mainstream movie theaters don't know what to do with clever horror films. It's a shame that San Diegans didn't get to see this on a big screen. But don't let that mean it falls off your radar. Check this one out for a bloody good time. It's also kind of sweet. There's nothing sweet about the next selection. The real world often serves up more horrific things than a filmmaker can imagine. So I offer up Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer based on the real-life serial killer Henry Lee Lucas. 
Michael Rooker is frighteningly good as Henry, a man who kills randomly and without emotion. And I couldn't make a list of streaming horror films that doesn't include Jen and Sylvia Soska's American Mary. These Canadian twin filmmakers have a taste for horror and gore. They burst on the scene with a gritty action splatter ride called Dead Hooker in a Trunk and then delivered the sophisticated and brutal American Mary. These sisters know how to make a movie that makes your skin crawl. And what's Halloween without a ghost story? Since Guillermo del Toro is serving up a new ghost story with Crimson Peak, I thought it would be fun to revisit his earlier ghost tale, The Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone is one of del Toro's best films that turns genre expectations on their ear by giving us a sympathetic monster, in this case a young ghost. It may create false expectations to call the film merely a ghost story. This is not a film about things that go bump in the night, and it's not after cheap thrills. At its core, The Devil's Backbone is a melancholy exploration of things that can cripple childhood, which in this case is war. And to mix it up again, let's go for some gross-out humor. To further my cause of highlighting films that might have flown under people's radar, here's a darkly comic creature feature called Bad Milo. Since I devoted a Cinema Junkie podcast to psychoanalyzing The Babadook, let's include the film on my list. The film has all the trappings of a boogeyman thriller. It plays on our universal childhood fears of something lurking under the bed, in the closet, or out in the dark just beyond the nightlight. But writer-director Jennifer Kent turns this horror formula into something much creepier and emotionally more disturbing. In keeping with the kid theme, let's go with Monster Squad from 1987. It's a fun kid horror comedy featuring classic universal monsters resurrected for a new generation. No CGI monsters here, all makeup effects and suit acting, and they look great. On a more serious note, there's Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Polanski has created some of the most terrifying films, but he's not really considered a horror director the way someone like George Romero or Wes Craven is. I'm choosing Rosemary's Baby because it fits the genre the best and is an immaculate production. Okay, any Halloween month horror film plan must include something from the early universal horror. So here's a classic and absolutely essential double bill for you to enjoy. Frankenstein, 1931, and The Bride of Frankenstein from 1935. Both films were directed by James Whale, starred Boris Karloff as the monster, and had Jack Pierce creating the phenomenal makeup. No horror list or Halloween viewing plan can be complete without a George A. Romero zombie film. Night of the Living Dead has the distinction of being the first, and Dawn of the Dead is often and rightly regarded as the best. But I want to give some love to Day of the Dead. Aside from being every bit as good as its predecessors, Day of the Dead has the distinction of introducing the first self-aware zombie in Bub. Next, let's go for another foreign title. Imagine Little Miss Sunshine and Alien mixed together and you'll have an inkling of what South Korea's The Host has in store for you. Best way to see The Host is to know nothing about it, so it can surprise you. So that's all I'm going to say. Check this film out. I also need to give a shout-out to Reanimator from 1985. Inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, Stuart Gordon's cult classic Reanimator has taken on a wildlife of its own. The film was made in 1985 and then transformed into Reanimator the Musical in 2011, complete with a splash zone for anyone interested in getting sprayed with blood. Check out my Cinema Junkie podcast all about Reanimator the Musical. Next up is the Swedish vampire film Let the Right One In. It boasts an elegant production design and is all about graceful, delicate control and a great vampire story. Next up, let's go for something fun. How about clowns? Why is it that clowns stir such a primal response in some people? The mere mention of clowns can send some people running out of a room. In Stitches, Ross Noble plays a seedy kid's clown who meets a brutally funny accidental death at a children's birthday party and then comes back for revenge. 
In honor of the fact that Andrew Cash, along with his co-director John Skip, was in San Diego recently for a screening of Tales of Halloween, I want to highlight Cash's documentary, Never Sleep Again. Cash co-directed the near four-hour documentary on everything related to Nightmare on Elm Street with Daniel Ferrans. So what do you say? A four-hour documentary? Are you insane? No, if you're a fan of the franchise, then this in-depth doc will breeze by and keep you riveted. It seeks out as many participants in the film and TV franchise as possible to provide background on the origins of the dream demon, behind-the-scenes stories, and insights into why it has such longevity. And stretching the definition of horror again, I want to suggest A Clockwork Orange from Stanley Kubrick. I also wanted to include an anime example of horror, and while there's a plethora of horror anime series available streaming, the list of features seems almost non-existent, which infuriates me. But here's a good one to start with, Perfect Blue. This is as good as Hitchcock's Vertigo for building suspense, and as perverse as Polanski's Repulsion or The Tenant for getting inside the head of someone who may be losing their mind. And speaking of losing your mind, there's the 1920 silent version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde featuring John Barrymore. I picked this film because it's often overlooked and has a great performance by Barrymore, but also I wanted to highlight it because it's available on two streaming sources that are great for anyone who loves movies, Open Culture, where all the films are free, and Fandor. And no list can be complete without Italian horror, so let me recommend Suspiria from 1977 and director Dario Argento. The film is like a fever dream, delirious with color-saturated style and operatic violence. So have yourself a nice Italian meal, some red wine, and sit down to enjoy this audaciously over-the-top cult horror classic. And as we approach Halloween, let me suggest spending October 30th with the Star's Evil Dead Marathon, leading up to the much-anticipated, eagerly-awaited, and kick-ass-looking new series, Ash vs. Evil Dead. The show seems to have nailed that perfect blend of gore, humor, and self-deprecation. And to have Bruce Campbell back as Ash is the best Halloween treat ever. And then spend Halloween night with the star's premiere of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Thanks for listening to the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. And be sure to check out my podcast tomorrow about the first films to scare people. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.